0: Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. It comes out of the disciples walking with Jesus very intimately, really closely. They saw everything He did. And the very thing they asked Jesus when He finished praying, they actually said, Lord, can you teach us to pray? Like John taught his disciples to pray. They wanted to learn the secret to what He was doing. I didn't ask him to teach us to do signs and wonders and miracles. They could have asked that. They didn't. They could have asked, can you teach us to be a, a great preacher, a great teacher like you are? They didn't ask that. They knew that the key to what he had was his connection to God. So they said the right thing, Lord, teach us to pray. And so we want to learn how to connect with God and how to pray means to me uh, having a dialogue, having a, a, a conversation with God. Well, I'm not doing all the talking, but I'm talking with God. I'm speaking to God. He speaks back to me. We're having a relationship. okay? So it's, so it's really, really important. And God has given us a lot of tools. And, and um, we need to believe the Word. Starts with that. It's basic. This morning, we learned a simple truth that what would you pray or how would you pray if you really believed that God was going to answer your next prayer? If I gave you my Word, I gave you my Word, I said, the next prayer you pray, when you pray according to the will of God, God's going to answer you. How would you pray? Would you pray differently? Would you even pray? Because some people aren't praying, but if you really, really believe God's going to answer my next prayer, all of a sudden you'd want to pray. So why, we, why we're prayerless is because we don't believe God's really going to answer our prayers. Because when you and I actually believe He's going to answer my prayers, when I pray according to the will of God, He's going to answer me, I'm going to pray. And we've got to take away this, this thing called time. We, we, we've got this time thing in our heads. When I pray, if it doesn't happen, and we put a time expectation on that, whether it's one day, one week, one month, one year, it doesn't really matter. The fact that you and I put a, pr- a time factor on there that we think it's going to be based on my time. I think he's going to be answered. If it doesn't get answered in a few days, when the few days go past, oh, God didn't answer my prayers. I get disappointed. And I'm going to be, be less motivated to pray next time because he didn't answer my prayers. It might be a week. It might be a month. It might even be a year take away time and just know that you know that you know and be confident that when I pray according to the will of God, God hears me. Whatsoever we ask the Father in the name of Jesus, if I'm praying in the name of Jesus, I pray according to His will, I'm praying according to your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you, can, if you know that you're praying in those boundaries of His truth, I know He's going to hear us. All of a sudden your faith to believe. I'm I'm believing to to spark a faith in people's hearts, even if it's one person here, you could be the spark that starts revival in Australia. It only takes one person to have the heart to pray. It only takes a William Seymour that birthed Azusa Street. Or or, a Frank Bartleman, I don't know how to say his name, he also birthed Azusa Street. They prayed five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours a day before the outpouring came. God doesn't just do it. And this morning we learned the the fact that you can't, in prayer, you cannot get God to do what he doesn't want to do. Okay, you can't get God to do what he doesn't want to do. God doesn't want to curse people. So no matter how much you pray, you're not going to get him to curse people. So you can't get God to do what he doesn't want to do, what, what is not his will. But God will not do what he wants to do unless you pray. Isn't that amazing? God will not do what he wants to do unless you and I pray. Why? Because God gave us the authority in the earth. He gave the authority to rule and to reign, and the dominion has been given to mankind. When Jesus says the harvest is is plenteous, that word plenteous is um, a, a Greek word that means large and plenteous. It's massive, it's large. But the laborers, the workers, or the harvesters are few. So pray. To the Lord of the harvest that he may send harvesters out there. Because the problem isn't with the harvests. It's not with the harvest. The harvest is r- r- plentiful, but also ripe. It's ready to be picked. There's people out there. They're ready to get saved. Nothing's wrong with the people. The Lord's saying that there's a lack of harvesters, workers. Because if there's a, in the natural, if there's a harvest field, you need cherry pickers. I, I've done one harvesting time in my life as I picked cherries. When I was young, I forget where it was, somewhere in Orange or somewhere. We drove all the way down there and we picked fresh cherries. Beautiful. You can... no. No. And, and we picked, it took all day long to pick cherries, amazing cherries. If there wasn't a harvester, that's me, that fruit stays in the, in the field and it rots in the field. Nothing wrong with the harvest. Jesus says we need to send harvesters that will work and bring them in my question is, does God want the harvest to come in? Does He want people to be saved? Timothy says, I am not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone should come to repentance. Everyone come to repentance. God's not willing that anyone should perish. He wants all men to be saved. It's in the Bible. But why aren't they being saved? If God's all powerful, which He is, He was all sovereign, which He is, why doesn't He just save them? If it's His will, what doesn't it automatically happen? Because the same God who's sovereign and all-powerful gave us the free will to take authority and to pray, and He's given us the authority to rule and to reign. That's why there's the need of prayer. Or else Jesus shouldn't have said, the harvest is ready and plenteous and it's ripe, but the laborers, if you pray to the Lord of the harvest, He'll send forth laborers. Why doesn't He just send forth laborers? Because He needs you to pray. God will not do, God cannot do what He wants to do unless you pray. Does that make sense? That's why the Bible says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We've got to do the binding first before it's bound in heaven. we are got to do the loosing first on earth before it's loosed in heaven. We do the binding, then it's bound in heaven because we've got the authority. Moses lifted his hands up and the Israelites were winning the battle against the Amalekites. The hands of authority, the staff that he's lifting up with the hand... Is lifting up that stuff with his hand when it went down because he was getting tired. They were losing. It went up. Why was the authority in Moses' hand? Because God gave him the authority. And God says, "Write this as a memorable, Mem- rem- memorable, memorial." Rem- What's well, some of that? One of those words for a remembrance. Thank you, Christina. Someone who's from Italian has to correct me. Thank you, from Italy. God. Is saying, remember this, you've got the authority. So when we understand that, all of a sudden, I'm stirred up to pray. Because God's not going to do what he wants to do unless we pray for him to do it. And I believe God doesn't do anything on the earth. John Wesley said this, God doesn't do anything on the earth except through prayer. And and the biblical quotation to that is except through believing prayer. Because when you pray and believe, God does it. Amen. So God gave us this amazing, amazing gift. We're going to talk about the purposes of praying in an unknown language. God gives us the Holy Spirit. We can go into the the depths of what God did when God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross and pay the penalty. And if it wasn't for Jesus' death on the cross, He could not fill us with the Holy Spirit. Our temples would have been, it's tainted, it's full of sin. But when God forgave us, paid the price for our sin, our temples, of the, our bodies can be cleansed and washed and forgiven. Then the Holy Spirit can make His home in our bodies. This temple of ours. And that's where Paul says, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So God moved from the Holy of Holies and He moved into your body as a temple when Jesus died on the cross. He poured out His Spirit. Amen? In the... Remember when they had one language and whatever they thought and imagined they could do, God says they could do. And they started to come up with this idea to build a ba- the Tower of Babel all the way to heaven. And God says, if they can imagine it, it'll be done. Because they had one language. God had, had to break their language, disperse their language, and, 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 and divided their language to the point where it's dispersed the people and the people groups went out everywhere. But when God gave that one language back in the day of Pentecost, He brought them into unity. He gave them a unified language, and now they've got one purpose again. And now, whatever they think and imagine, they can do before God. So, number one purpose, I believe, there's number there's not not in order of priority because you can't do that to the Word of God um, in most cases. But the first one that comes to mind is First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse two. It says here. I love this. Well, verse 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual or spirituals. And we've got that translated as spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So the priority here is love, but you should desire spirituals. We should desire spiritual gifts, even in the church. We're saying this morning that if we don't desire the spiritual gifts, if we don't press in, if we don't have a desire to operate in the gifts, they won't happen. They won't happen by themselves. We have to desire them. The, 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 The key to operate is actually desire. In other words, because I've got the desire, God, use me. What do you want to say? God, speak to me. I'm pressing in. Lord, just a word, a word of knowledge, something. You want to say something to someone. What is it, God? And we're pressing in. When we press in, God gives it to us. When we don't press in, it doesn't happen. It's as simple as that. If you don't have the hunger for it, the gifts won't open up. And the gifts are there to reveal Jesus to people. In 1 in Corinthians 14, it says that, that they would fall down and cry out, that God is really in this place because you revealed the secrets of my heart. Like, in other words, no one else knows these secrets, only God knows. And how did you say those things? You, God must be speaking to you. And it builds faith. So one of the first things is found in verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue or in a language. The word tongue is another word for language. He who speaks in a language does not speak to men, but to God. I love this one though. For no one understands him. Why does no one understand him? Because he's speaking to God. And he's speaking in an unknown language. However, this is why it's unknown. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So he's speaking a language. He's speaking not to men, but to God. For no one else understands him. He's speaking a language to God. And he's speaking mysteries. Secrets. Hidden secrets. mysterious. He's speaking mysteries to God. When I speak to God, I'm speaking mysteries to God. And it says in verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue or in a language edifies himself. Everybody say the word edify. Edify is a word we don't usually use these days. But it's, it's, it's made out of a Greek word that talks about like an edifice. To build up an edifice, a building. You build up an edifice. Another translation they say is like build, uh, recharging a battery. So when you're praying in the Spirit, because of the nature of that gift, you're speaking to God. Think about that for a second. You're speaking to God because of the nature of that gift, you build yourself up. He who prophesies speaks. Edification to the church and exhortation and comfort to men. But he who speaks in a tongue, in verse 4, edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So think about that. Let's take this truth away. He who speaks in tongue builds himself up. In verse 14, it says, For I pray in a tongue. My spirit prays, so if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. For those people that think, what's the point of praying in a language you don't understand? Why pray in a language if I don't know what's, what I'm saying? It's exactly what the Bible says. My spirit is doing the praying. My mind's unfruitful. My, my mind is not engaging. I'm not speaking from my mind. It, the source is not coming from my mind because that's a learned language. It's coming from my spirit. It is a gift. It's a language from God. Now I'm, di- I'm speaking from my spirit direct to God. It bypasses my mind because my mind's unfruitful. The power of tongues is praying from your spirit. Because I've seen people, I'm going to be really, really, I'm just trying to be raw and honest with you. I've seen people get filled with the Holy Spirit. They generally get baptized with the Holy Spirit and they speak in other languages. It's magnificent. It's beautiful. It's life-changing. It's transforming. They get filled in so many ways. And eventually, after time, sometimes it takes months and months and months, sometimes even years and years and years. But eventually, I've seen them fall into what I would call a rut. Or another way of saying it, they fall into um, just praying out of uh, memory and out of their head, does that make sense? So you they have genuinely been filled, but now they're just praying out of here. And it sounds almost like it's not even a language. Have you, ever heard pray, have you ever heard people pray in tongues and it doesn't even sound like a language? Now, if I speak fast, really, really fast, you're going, to, you're going to understand what I'm saying because I'm speaking so fast. It doesn't sound like a language when I'm speaking so fast. So I understand that's true of tongues. If you speak really, really fast, it doesn't sound like a language. But really, in essence, tongues, when you pray from your spirit, should actually sound like a language. So if, how do I know that? Because in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, if there's, when you pray in tongues, if there's no interpreter to interpret... Pray to yourself and to God, because there's no one else there to interpret. It didn't say not to pray in tongues, just pray to yourself and to God. So if I'm praying, continue to pray in tongues, but now pray to yourself to God, because no one else can interpret, so I won't say it really loud. I'm not, I'm not being used by God as the, the gift of tongues, where I speak out loud in a congregation and someone interprets that tongue. So I'm not doing that, so therefore I can pray in the Spirit, but I can pray to God and myself. So I should be going like this. He send it Now, if you were sitting next to me and you were Anglo-Saxon, you'd think, this guy's talking in Italian or Lebanese or Arabic. You wouldn't think I'm crazy, though, because he must be praying in his language. But if I'm going... Then you'd probably think, this guy's lost it. He's crazy. Now, I've come out of a church that we... We fell into this Pentecostalism that we just prayed in tongues, spit, fire, shower, and and we baptized you with the spit that we had, and we prayed until you pray. And it was really, really fast, and it was, it was, no joke, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not trying to mock it, because I believe in the gift of tongues so much, I'm preaching all about tongues, but it was, you know, on their knees, mostly always on their knees, which is fine, you can receive the Holy Spirit any which way you're willing to receive Him, but they it was like that when they finally got it when they finally got it it was, it was very ecstatic was very at the same time some people received got prayed for and they didn't get receive they didn't receive it then they drive home as they're driving in the car they just bubbled up and prayed in tongues it's happened like that or they I received it in my bed in my room by myself no one praying for me so all I'm just saying is it's it's a gift from God God gives you this gift it's a tool, it's a powerful tool, it's a language, it's a gift of a language to communicate direct with God. But it is a language. Does it make sense? It's important that we understand that. And when I do pray, I build myself up. How many of you guys get frustrated when you run out of battery power? I, you know me, most people know that I'm always charging my, my, my phone even if it's 88 or 98 and I'll put it on, I want it 100%. I want to be full all the time. If it, I don't let it go down to 5, 4, three, 2. It's, it's not my culture. I'll, I'll, any opportunity, any ch- I'll put it on a charge. I want power. right? It's, it's frustrating because it's got a lot of ability, a lot of power, a lot of things it can do, but it's dead. Some of us are like that. We live our life that way. We live so low, so drained, so drained, so drained. We never recharge it. Praying in the spirit recharges your battery, literally recharges the battery of your spirit. Now, I've, I had, a, I've had a van, and I love my van. VW is a beautiful van. I drove it for many, many years, and um, I got blessed with another car. So the van stayed outside my house for three, four, five months, not being used. What happens to a car when you don't use it? battery went flat. When a battery's flat, the whole car's useless. No matter how good it was, no matter how much it can do, it can take me from one place to another place. We went to Melbourne so many times, we went to Queensland so many times. Beautiful van, amazing, reliable van, but the, fat, the, the, the battery's flat. Useless again. What do I have to do? Fix the battery. I have a recharger battery. I think most times, um, I, tried, I saved it a few times, but other times I had to buy a new battery. You put a new battery and it's all good. The Holy Spirit, God giving us His gift of praying in tongues it says, When you pray, he who speaks in a language edifies himself. Paul, who wrote this, said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. In other words, he would have prayed in tongues in his own time way more than everyone else. Some people say, he's probably saying to people, I pray in tongues more than you all put together. That's how much he believed in it. But he prayed in the Spirit. He built himself up. He energized his Spirit the motor is when, when designed that when you turn the motor on and you use the van it recharges the battery that's why it goes flat because the motor is designed to recharge the battery and keep it charged up and that's us too when we're praying in the spirit it just recharges your spirit it, it charges it with the power of the Holy Spirit amen so, so never underestimate I can't tell you how many times uh, for the last since 1987 when I got saved how many how many how many times I felt a little bit low or maybe just a little bit faithless, a little bit... You know, not really there in my spirit, in my faith. And I said, I'm going to pray. I don't feel like praying. Everything in my body's telling me don't pray. Just sit down in front of the TV, go to sleep, just tired or whatever. And I'm, I'm going to pray. And whether I put worship on my headphones or go for a walk and I just start praying in the spirit. Don't feel it. I'm not going by my feelings. I'm going by faith. And I start to pray. And I just start praying, start praying, start praying, start praying. And before I know it, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about two minutes, five minutes. It usually takes 20, 30, 30, 30, 40, sometimes an hour. Sometimes, you know, usually by an hour, if I'm praying for my spirit, I'm feeling it's coming on me now. Out of my belly flows rivers of living water, Jesus said. And this, what he was speaking about was the spirit. It clearly tells you, those that believe in me will flow rivers of living, not not a little trickle, not a little bit of tap, just to let it go, a little bit of life, but rivers of living water flowing out of me. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we pray in the Spirit, and we just get so built up. And we I can't, many, many times that's happened to me. Many, many times it's happened to many people here. I know it has because that's that's the gift. That's who He is. So don't underestimate the power of building yourself up with this beautiful. As James, J, sorry, <laughs> Jude, the book of Jude, one of the smallest books in the Bible, one chapter, in verse twenty says, "Building up yourself upon your most holy faith." What does he say? Praying in the Holy Spirit. I believe he's talking about praying in the Spirit. referring not praying from my mind, but praying from my spirit. Amen? All right. Number two, verse two, we find in the same verse, he who speaks in a language does not speak to men, but to God. In other words, the gift of tongues and this language gift is a gift of communicating with God. Now, if I said to you, this mobile is a special mobile phone, i got it. No, this is not true. You know, I'm using this as an example. But let's say, imagine that Jesus went into my room and gave me a special phone. He said, this phone is a special phone. It goes direct to the throne. Anytime you want to talk to the Father, just dial 777 or something. And it will go straight to the throne. And you can get God on the throne. And he'll answer, Leo, yes. Because you can speak with God with this phone. I have to make a simple illustration because I believe in the gift of tongues. If the Bible says when you speak in unknown tongues, you speak not to men, but to God, you've just been given an opportunity to speak with God. Imagine that for a second. So when I pray, I'm not just speaking into the air. I'm not just making my praying in tongues and, and exercising my vocal cords and let words come out. I'm actually speaking with God. I mean, come on. And now God is so good that He allows us to pray as much as we want or as little as we want. He allows you to choose that. He allows me to choose that. He's so good and kind and he gave us the free will. But again, when I speak, I'm speaking with God. I get to communicate with God. Now, I'm, I'm very convinced because if, if I'm praying in the Spirit and if my spirit's getting edified, what's edifying me? Why am I getting edified? If I'm speaking not just to God, because I believe I'm speaking with God. When I'm speaking with God, I believe with all my heart God's speaking back to me while I'm speaking in Him in the Spirit. Why do I believe that? Because I believe, according to Scripture, when I'm speaking with God, I'm speaking to God. I know I'm doing the vocal because I'm doing the speaking. But if my spirit's being edified, I'm receiving revelation. How do you know that? Isaiah 28, Isaiah 28, verse 11, he's referring to this. Look what it says. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. It's in the Bible. To whom he said... This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Isn't that amazing? God gave us this beautiful gift, and, he, and even in the book of Isaiah it says, yet they won't hear it. I give you this opportunity to, yes. Not only that you get, you get rest from when you pray in the Spirit or refreshing. There are other points, but we won't go into it now. But also, it says he, he will speak to this people. And if you, just in case you, oh, maybe that's a scripture out of context, Leah. You're taking it out of context. Uh-uh-uh. Paul quotes it. Paul quotes it, and it's found in um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 21. He's talking about tongues. And he says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. Yet, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are for a sign. He's talking about tongues. And he says, he quotes that Old Testament scripture I just read. And when Isaiah writes that scripture, he's actually saying, through this, he speaks to his people. So when I'm speaking with God and to God, he's speaking to me and giving me revelation. And again, I've exercised this so many times and you have too. Most of you have done it. All the time, and maybe unknowingly, where you pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. This is how I believe it works. Pray in the Spirit, whether it's you pray, you know, 30 minutes, one hour, two hours, and we go for a long drive. I've driven all the way to Melbourne, prayed in tongues, just because I want to. I put worship on it, just, man, have you prayed seven, eight, nine hours just praying in the Spirit? Now, I might not get answers there and then. But all of a sudden, this is how I believe it works. Because my spirit is talking to God, He's talking to me, and my spirit's getting revelation. uh, I could be doing any. I could be ironing. I could be cleaning the plates. I could be you know, doing something natural. And all of a sudden, revelation from my spirit. My spirit's praying. My mind's unfruitful. My spirit's praying. All of a sudden, it floats up. A natural thought comes up to my head. That's what I should do. Of course. When I think of that, that's it. That's the answer to that issue or that problem. I didn't even realize it was supernatural. What, I'm, what we're doing is supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. It just comes to you because you prayed in the Spirit. I'm telling you, we do that all the time. The thought just comes. It just, the revelation comes. Ah, that's what I should do. If you don't spend time in prayer, praying with God, then you don't get those breakthroughs, everyday breakthroughs. Isn't it amazing that we can get to talk with God? Pick up your mobile phone, not literally, but get on your knees and do some knee mails to God. Send some emails on your knees. Direct to God. Message Him. Don't get in the Facebook, but get FaceTime with God. All right? Number three. We've got to get through this. And have only got 700. No, seven. Uh, number three is, uh, we spoke about this, but it's found in 2 and in verse 14. I believe when we speak to God, f- revelation flows. Yes, we're speaking with God. We're communicating with God and He's speaking back to us. We spoke about that in depth. So we believe that, don't we? All right. So the number three is revelation starts flowing. If you lack revelation, when you pray in the Spirit a lot, I just believe God gives you revelation. So when you're in the Word, it just comes alive. Revelation comes from the scriptures. You you read and you meditate, and you think, "Why am I getting so much?" Maybe you're you're filled up with a, with prayer, and the river is flowing through you like a you're at the temple, but the river's flowing through you. So when you're in the Word, revelation's flowing already, and then you're in the Word, you get more revelation. It just flows. Does it make sense? And that's true of everything we do in life. Whether talking to your friend or workmate, it just flows. Revelation will flow in how to share love to them, how to share the gospel to them. It just comes out because we stay full. All right, number four, found in Romans 8. (coughs) Romans 8, verse 26. If you've got your Bibles, turn to it really quickly. (coughs) Okay, we're going to talk about this. Number four is prayer, warfare, and intercession. So praying in tongues as a tool is a powerful tool that we can exercise in prayer, warfare, and intercession, okay? Um, And that's Romans... Verse twenty Romans eight verse twenty six says, well let's pick it up in verse twenty five. But if we hope, earnest e- expectation for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for what it for. We wait for it with perseverance. It's talking about that the this creation is groaning to be delivered from the bondage of decay, and it's got it's got a hope and expectation. It's going to get set free from it. In the same way, it says we we were saved in this hope. You and I, hope is really key to prayer because hope is the, the thing I don't have. I was saved in this hope. I wasn't saved. And when I saw someone else's testimony or I saw uh, uh, someone else's life, it gave me, it wet my appetite to get. I, I want what they've got. I know what they want. I don't know what they've got, but I just want what they've got. Well, they told me about salvation. They told me about forgiveness of sins. They told me about Jesus. I don't have peace with God. I don't have forgiveness of sins. I want what I don't have. That's what saved us. Hope saved us. That's why it says here, for for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not seen. Why does one still yet hope for what he sees? I don't hope for a wife because I have a wife. When I didn't have a wife, I hoped for a wife. You'd be surprised how much I hoped for a wife. I used to pray for a wife, think about a wife, meditate about wife. I just dreamed about I want a wife. I want a wife. God. Try it out to God. But now that i got a wife, I don't need to. Does it make sense? Hmm. Those that are single are still that, yeah, I know what you mean, Leah. I know exactly what you mean. I'm praying. But if we hope, that's a good thing. But if we hope, don't let it possess you, that's all. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait, we eagerly wait, we hope for what we don't see. I don't see revival. I don't see Australia saved. I don't see my neighbors saved yet. I don't see certain people say, I want to see them saved. So if we hope for what we don't see, we wait with earnest expectation and perseverance we wait for it likewise that key word is likewise the word likewise is in the same way the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses in the same way that you got saved through hope and because you don't have what you don't you don't have what you don't you don't see what you don't have you want what you don't have the hope is a fuel for prayer so likewise the spirit looks for what you don't have and works the word for what we do not see um, here it is. Likewise, the Spirit also helps. The word helps means to take a hold together with us against our weaknesses. And when the Bible speaks of prayer, it does, we always read it with my weaknesses, my, our weakness meaning me. I've got my weakness. Holy Spirit is interceding for my witness. It's that, but it's also in our togetherness. Prayer is always intercession for everyone. Not just me. Okay, I've got witnesses. Holy Spirit is praying through me, and it's going to answer those witnesses. But when it says pray with our witnesses, I believe it's everyone. Because the Holy Spirit can put anybody in this church on my heart. Vice versa, God can put anyone in this church on your heart, and anyone in the world for that matter. Just depends how big your heart is. Just depends how large your capacity of your heart is. God will use you in prayer and intercession. Does that make sense? God will only, only have authority in what you allow yourself to have responsibility for. If you don't have a responsibility for other people and other lost people, your heart won't open up and you won't pray like this. You'll always keep stay small. You only pray for yourself. So the Holy Spirit works together with us against our weaknesses. The weakness is another word of saying um, it doesn't have it yet. It doesn't have salvation yet. It doesn't have healing yet. Or a person doesn't have salvation. A person doesn't have healing. Or a person has wrong mindsets, wounds, hurts, broken dreams, and they're all disappointed. That's the weaknesses. It's just a nice way of saying things that the will of God hasn't yet redeemed, hasn't yet changed, hasn't yet transformed. So when we pray, our heart opens up. I believe, I, I will just read the scripture before we go into it, how it works. It says, we do, For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Think about that. Paul's like just so honest. We don't know how to pray for as we ought. Our mind prays as much as it can, with the needs it knows, and eventually it runs short after a few minutes. They reckon? After five minutes, you run out of things to say. Like I pray, I pray what else I pray now, Lord? I just run out of things to say. I don't know how to pray for as I ought. You Neither do you. But that's why he's given us aid. He's given us a helper, the one who knows everything. And he says, but, yes, we don't know how to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit. Spirit, again, the Spirit that created all things, the one who hovered on the face of the earth, it was all void without um, life, and the Holy Spirit hovered, and God spoke, and then God created. The Holy Spirit, that same Spirit that's creative and powerful and all-knowing, Himself makes intercession for us, not just me, not just my need, but for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Groanings, now we get into a realm where we groan others now think about the church you got to be careful because I, I i spoke about the art of intercession how the church lost a little bit of the art not everywhere but in some places we lost the art of intercession back in the 70s and the 80s the church used to intercede and weep and cry the hearts used to break for lost people hearts would feel the burden of other people that are lost and so we'd open up our hearts out of love. We'd pray. We'd cry out. We'd weep. we cry. And we feel the pain of someone else. It's not praying for myself. i pray for somebody else. Intercession is praying for somebody else. And that's the word that we're getting there. Intercession. On behalf of somebody else. Jesus was the great intercessor. He interceded on our behalf. And I believe the picture that we have on the cross, yes, He's the one and only Jesus, the Son of the living God, sinless, and He's the only one that can die for our sins and redeem us. He did all that. But the principle of intercession, he who was righteous opened up his heart and allowed the unrighteousness of the world to come on him. That's the principle of him him consuming unrighteousness. Does that make sense? Him who knew love opened up his heart and allowed all the sin of the world to come into him. He consumed that by, by experiencing the judgment of God against him as if he was the sinner. And he consumed it and he took it on. I believe the same spirit, let me explain a little bit, the same spirit that's on Jesus when we pray, because the Holy Spirit does this, not us, our hearts open up when we pray. Let me explain it this way. We open up, our, love, our heart opens up because of love. We pray, we yield, we surrender. See, the, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit is, I could be doing anything for myself right now. So it's an act of selflessness when I pray, isn't it? When you pray, you give up your time, your energy, your effort. You could be watching TV, you could be lying down, you could be eating food. Man, we love eating food, don't we? We can be doing anything, but I'm sacrificing. I'm laying down my life. I'm not praying for me. I'm praying for others. I'm saying, God, use me for others. And I'm opening up my heart from love and I'm praying. I'm interceding. I'm interceding. And in a sense, not because of what I've done, because of the blood of Jesus made me righteous, I open up my heart and I start to feel the pain of someone else that might be going through something. You can actually feel and your heart starts to weep and cry. You don't even know why. Why am I crying? Why do I feel broken? Why do I feel empty? Why do I feel lost? You can actually get to a place where you feel lost. But guess what? You're not lost. But your love's opening up your heart and feeling the burden of someone else. They are lost. They feel lost. You can intercede and feel the... You can go as far as feeling the pain, the brokenness, the abuse, the suicidal thoughts. You can even sense that. doesn't mean it's you. But you are the one that's righteous have opened up your heart. And I believe in the same way the devil put the sin on Jesus, the devil did an illegal act to put sin on a man who didn't sin. It was an illegal act for Satan put death on a man, Jesus, who never ever sinned. He did an illegal act so God can legally forgive anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. God forgives you legally because you put your faith in a man who was illegally mistreated by Satan. How did that happen? Jesus, out of love, opened up His heart. So I believe the same principle is applying. I'm walking in righteousness. Uh, why should I feel empty? Why, I, why should I feel lost? Why should I feel depressed, broken, abused, even suicidal? Why? I, I haven't done anything to feel that. What, what's happening? My heart's opening up out of love. I'm righteous, but how come I'm feeling that? Because out of love, I'm, I'm, I'm praying. The Holy Spirit's praying with us and interceding. Bringing, bringing it before the Father. And I believe the devil's going, oh no, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because God has the power and the right to set that person free because someone stood in the gap on his behalf. Does that make sense? Someone else stood in the gap on behalf of him. What's intercession? In a rugby league game, I got the ball, I pass it to the opponent that I want to pass it to. Somebody else grabs the ball instead. We call that an interception. They interceded the ball. We intercept out of love. Through prayer, my heart, I could weep, I could cry. After I break through and set free and, and, I, and I speak and I have joy, I have faith, and I speak over that person, I could rise up from that with absolutely no depression, no brokenness, nothing whatsoever, because it wasn't mine. I prayed and brought freedom to someone, and i got to know that I know that I know God answered me. And I believe God has the legal right to set that person free. Angels go take take authority of the demons whatever they have to do in the spirit and that person's now free to hear the gospel and get saved and I believe that God I believe God's raising up people again for this I really do so when the Holy Spirit moves on you that way and you weep and cry don't just judge someone oh they're weeping and crying they must be going for something no they could be praying for somebody else now we've run out of time because <laughs> we're going to talk about tongues is a powerful tool of praise and thanksgiving powerful tool of praise and thanksgiving Um, Paul says this this is how much he sees tongues it's freaky when I first read this it blew my mind because when you pray for your food and there's people in the room that are unlearned they're unbelievers but they're unlearned people they can't say amen to your giving of thanks if you pray over your food in the spirit this is the Bible if you pray over your food in the spirit, they can't go amen because they don't know what you said. So it talks about rather pray in a loan language in that case. But he says you truly give thanks well enough. Ah, oh, that's interesting. You give thanks well enough if you pray over your food in the spirit. So technically, if we're all believers, I could go like this. <speaking> I'm praying for my spirit. I'm saying thank you to God over my food. And you could actually say amen. Even though you don't understand what I said. You actually can say amen. But I wouldn't do that if there's unbelievers there. Obviously. Definitely wouldn't. Does that make sense? But Paul's saying you give thanks well enough. That means praying in tongues is giving thanks to God. Pray, praying in tongues. You can pray in tongues and you can get authoritative. Authoritative? Yeah, authoritative. Authoritative. All of a sudden, you get angry almost. And you're almost telling the devil off. I believe that can happen too. I'm trying to be funny, but I believe it's true. I believe you can get angry, almost authoritative. So you, you don't even know why you're, you're exercising authority. Because in the Spirit, you don't know what you're saying, but you're tolling off the devil. God's using your words as an authority you have to say, get your hands off. Oh, that's enough, it's enough. You will Torment my family no more and you're praying this in tongues I'm not saying in English but you're praying in the Spirit you're praying in the Spirit I did this once and I was praying in the Spirit praying in the Spirit praying in the Spirit praying in the Spirit and I'm doing it doing. It. I felt angry and everything and the devil rose up and I felt him say who do you think you are? Like, in other words who do you think you are praying like that? and something else rose up within me I said I'm Christ the one who defeated you in hell not that I am but Jesus was speaking in other words Jesus defeated you shut up why is He trying to stop us? Because we've got authority in prayer. So it's, it's, it's praise. It's warfare. You can, you can use it for uh, warfare, thanksgiving. <sighs> number six, I said praying for staying full of the Holy Ghost. It's the rest. It's a refreshing. We, sp- we read that before. And Number seven was to be more in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you do this, you say, I can't hear the voice of the Spirit. I can't hear the gifts. I don't know how to hear the Word of Knowledge. You stay so full of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit constantly, constantly. You should be able to tune in. You learn. If you don't learn, come to the School of Supernatural. It's a free advertisement. If you don't know how to do it and you want to learn, you learn how to hear the voice. you learn how to hear. Do I hear? Do I sense? Do I feel? How do I hear God? And, And you start practicing. Take risks. You'll learn how to do it. Amen?